Welcome, everyone, to The Bag Drop, untold stories in golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today, we are honored to have with us Mike Boland and Matt Krug of Eagle Springs Golf Resort in Eagle, Wisconsin. Mike Boland, the longtime custodian and caretaker of Eagle Springs and the great-great-grandson of its originator, recently passed the family torch to sixth-generation Eagle Springs owners, Ann and Matt Krug. Mike joins us for the first portion of the show to share a few of his favorite historical footnotes about this 1893 masterpiece. Then we hand the mic to fellow member of New Club, Matt Krug, who shares their family's plan for Eagle Springs and its future. In the not-so-distant future, this Memorial Day weekend, to be precise, the path to the PGA Tour is running through Glenview, Illinois, when golf's future stars return at the Glen Club for Evan Scholar's Invitational on May 27th through 30th. Make your weekend a memorable one by taking advantage of complimentary general admission courtesy Serve Pro of Glenview. Guests can also upgrade their spectator experience by purchasing tickets to The Hangar, a premium hospitality venue with food and drink included. I'll be, I'll be there. Last year's runner-up of the Evans Scholars Invitational was none other than Will Zalatoris. Yes, the same Will Zalatoris who just finished runner-up at Augusta National a few weeks ago. He has taken the professional ranks by storm the last 14 months, and heading out to the Glen Club, you can see up close and personal who is coming next. The Evan Scholar Invitational is also the official partner of The Hangout, our Chicago chapter's first local event of the year, and we hope to see everyone there with your family, your friends, your dogs on May 22nd out at Canal Shores in Evanston. Now, without further ado, on to the show with Matt Krug and Mike Bolin of Eagle Springs. Mike Bolin, Matt Krug. Welcome back to the bag drop. <laughs> thanks for being with us, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, I, I'll just share it with the audience because it was such a depressing day for me. This is my first time doing a retake because of audio uh, difficulties. So the real reason is, Mike, I just love spending so much time with you. I, I wanted to, to get you back on. Yeah. And I love being on camera. So <laughs> like a, it's a marriage. And we love being this close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell family, family first. Um, well, it's, uh, it is important because we're talking about a very special place in Eagle Springs for this episode. Um, so I, I wanted to, uh, to cover some things. I mean, diving in Mike, you know, there's, um, I, I'll start with some flattery. So my experience and why I started a new club was, uh, as a 20 year old, I was over in Ireland and we'd go play, uh, with the club team there, the university I was at, we'd play some great courses like La Hinch and Royal County down and old head. But one thing that really opened my eyes was kind of the, uh, the unspoken course next door, you know, places like Duke's golf club that blew me away, places like Cork golf club that blew me away. And, uh, they, they aren't in anybody's list, but they are incredible golf places and, and they have this spirit about them. And, uh, part of new club is that we're trying to bring a little bit of that vibe to the States. And, 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 and the reason I bring it up is because my first time walking into Eagle Springs, I had that vibe. I, I got hit right in the face with it. When I walk in your guys clubhouse, which I want to know more about, cause it's a very unique, unique, uh, building. And, and then all the way to the first tee where you got that blind shot and you, you're cresting over that hill and, and you just know you're at somewhere special. Uh, so the saying goes, you can't fake old. And what I'm curious about, Mike, is how, how have you been able to maintain this, this special place for, for so long? Um, well, I grew up here and I have, you know, I started when I was about 12 years old, stocking coolers and, um, you know, started out working the crew. And then as I, I have an engineering degree, I worked as an engineer and I could take that money and buy equipment for the golf course. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's always kind of been this, the golf course has always been somewhat like this, but we've tried to modernize it, the conditions a little bit. Although if, if you come, you're likely, if you were likely to come, you'd see me, you know, my uniform is Chaco's gym trunks and a t-shirt, you know, not your typical golf course owner. <laughs> right. 
you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, so, I mean, there, you know, I, I played, you know, I played high school golf. I tried to make Madison's golf team. I didn't make it. I played a lot of golf over the years. I, I played a lot of good golf courses too. And I, I, you know, I, I know, you know, we had to improve our conditions. And so, um, you know, part of it is, you know, we didn't have the money to do an overhaul. It was always a little piecemeal here, piecemeal there, you know, um, try this, try that. Um, I, I, I told you before I'm self-educated, um, you know, read a lot of turf books, went a lot of, to a lot of seminars, um, um, you know, have an engineering degree. So I understand the science of, of you know, the golf course maintenance. Um, but again, you know, having limited budget, you know, we're always, you know, you know, when we top dress our greens, our members come out and they, they, they dump the bags of sag, sand into the, into the aerator. And, you know, it's, it's kind of been a, a group effort, um, for a lot of people, um, um, you know, Matt's wife's Anne's family, um, you know, I, I, I rode the football bus with one of her uncles and he, he worked out here and they've been in a cottage for 30 years. And every one of the brothers has worked here. All the sisters have helped out and sisters worked in the bar cart. So it's all been this group effort. Um, and it's all, you know, because we just didn't have the resources, but we have this beautiful piece of property and it was trying to um, maintain that, improve the, the quality of the playability um, and uh, and still kind of remain, remain this kind of funky place with these kind of friendly people that are here. So um, it wasn't really anything calculated. It's kind of it was just kind of organic from the people who are around here. And, and that's a a boatload of time and history going back to 1893, which I think I believe it's your great great grandfather, right? That would have been the originator of Eagle Springs? Yeah, well, the, and his father, that they came and bought the land and farmed it and then sold part of it off to William, his son. So um, the, the first one here would have been the great, great, great grandfather. Um, but William was the one that built the hotel and the golf course. And 1893, the best of my knowledge, I'm no uh, historian. I'm like a, a 20 handicap when it comes to golf history, but I'm working on it. Uh, 1893 is the oldest golf course in Wisconsin. Correct. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think Tuscumbia is the second and they're like 1896 and so, Jamesville country club is like the oldest country club and they're like 96 or 97, I think. So. What can you tell me about, uh, that, that build? We won't do a full dissertation on the history of Eagle Springs today, but what can you tell me about when they got started? What were they trying to do from, from your understanding? Um, my understanding was that William Tui had this piece of property that he thought would make a good resort. And so he built this hotel and this golf course and he enlisted AJ Spaulding, AG Spaulding, um, uh, who at least designed the first two holes, which are two of the ones we're, we're famous for. Um, the volcano hole and um, the number one green. Although the original iteration number one just had the bowl green, we didn't have enough pin placement. So I added that upper level um, probably 20, 25 years ago. So you were sick of everybody getting tap in birdies to stand. <laughs> so you said, screw them, let's put the pin up here. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell like the best players here that you could, you know, they have scrambles and, the, you know, they're playing for money and it's like, uh, you know, sometimes if you put that in the bowl, you, you won't get a birdie. Now you're lost. You you lost a stroke. Yeah. I mean, now you're behind because yeah, that's the that's really the par when you're playing. It's in the bowl. So, um, or 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 you miss the bowl, which it's it's a hard yeah. bowl to miss. But I've missed it probably half the times. <laughs> yeah. So, and I guess that you know um, that that's a that bowl type is an old architectural feature uh, when they. You know, now they want to get rid of the water. They wanted to come and pass through. That's the way all the green, modern greens are designed. In the old days, they wanted to keep the water to, so that it would maintain, you know, keep the grass irrigated. So number four was like, is like that also. And I added that upper deck on number four at the same time because we didn't have pin placements on four either. Um, so, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's been interesting, you know, and part of it was there was no great architectural thing. It was like, this was the spot. This is, we have... We have enough fill to do this. 
well, we'll, we'll do it. I mean, it wasn't like there was a, a master plan. It's, you know, like I said, it's kind of organic. It kind of, I see, I see a need and it's like, okay, how am I going to fix this need? It might take me three years to figure out a, a, a route, but um, you know. Well, you, you hear all the great golf course architects talk about restraint and how important that does become in their designs. It sounds like you had built-in restraints. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, any any historical footnotes that, that you just have always found in- interesting about that, you know, 100-year-plus, 120-year-plus history? Um, well, you know, there's a because we've been here so long and, you know, different parts, you know, like my, my great uncle for years, people would come and say, well, Brian taught me to fish or Brian taught me this, or I worked for Brian and Brian taught me this. Um, my grandmother was really well connected or um, identified with the place. I remember Mary is, you know, and so there's this history of these kind of personalities that, that have connected with this, this clientele that keeps coming back and tells you stories from the previous generations. Um, you know, you know, God knows what Matt's going to hear. We actually, <laughs> I was, was going to interject. We actually got a lot of emails once it, once it, uh, once we made it public for people saying the same stuff about this guy. Um, my daughter was at a big point in her life. Mike helped her out. She made good decisions. Like, like those, we got a lot of those emails that are saved in my inbox and, and inbox um that's a good barometer of success um in many ways about half the time my hair is about your length also (laughs) they anybody telling me should get my hair cut no they didn't say that yeah um but it's it's uh i'll interject just one second like i probably walked around for the last 15 years like i own the place and i was probably one of 40 people that did the same thing yeah. Um, there's a sense of ownership and community that you can't, can't buy, you can't recreate, it gets passed down. And um, um, I think that Mike's tenure had the same thing that the previous tenures did and that a lot of people feel ownership of this place. And that's, that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll draw to my comparison one last time around what I experienced in Ireland, Ireland as a young kid there is this sense of welcome that doesn't necessarily exist at every golf course we have in the States. This sense of, Hey, you're here. We're happy you're here now. Enjoy yourself and be a part of this thing. And it's, it's kind of like the difference between being a a welcome guest and a visitor, you know? And, And that's what I feel when I'm, when I showed up, that's just, I'm just being honest. That's what, what that sense I got was, um, hey, you're a welcome guest. Let's have a good time. Mike's out there in his gym shorts, you know, checking out the, the second green, make sure things are all right. But uh, it's different. It's just different. Um, when I, you know, when I went to Scotland, so I went to, we went to Scotland, my wife had a, a roommate who lived in Edinburgh. And so, you know, I, I actually flew my clubs there because, you know, you're going to play St. Andrews and you got to do it. But after that, it was like, I wanted, yeah, I played with four Americans. After that, I wanted to go to the little courses we were driving by <laughs> and play with the, and, you know, play and get, you know, and make a bad bet with the locals. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know I, that's what I wanted. To, I mean, it's kind of the same, you know, it, it, that's how probably I approach this too. It's, you know, there's a part of this place. It's, you know, it's not, you know, the fanciest, uh, best, the, uh, you know, hardest course, um, but it has, you know, it's got its own little mystique and sorry about that. That's actually Mike's phone. It's not the local church telling us it's new. Yeah. I thought it was Big Ben. I thought we were still in the UK. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Mike, I know you. I knew you guys had some stuff you had to do this morning. So, kind of one last question for you before we start chatting with Matt here about the the transition and all the stuff they've got they got going. Um, you know, the, your great 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 grandson of who started this place. Uh, you know, sixth generation, is that right? That Matt and Ann will be the sixth generation? Correct. Yes. So I would love to know what's your wish for Eagle Springs, for the future of Eagle Springs? Um, I, can, I can leave. Um, <laughs> do, we have to have, do we have to have Matt leave the room? <laughs> I mean, I think, um, I think they're really talented um, and they have some, um, 
some skills that I didn't have, I think they have an opportunity to um, make make the golf course a little bit nicer. Um, I think they have a opportunity to you know make the make the whole place take it take it take it to another step. Not it's not going to transform it gigantically, but um, but I I believe that they have um, they have the ability you know to to improve the place. Um, you know, and, and, and take it in a, in a direction that, you know, maybe we don't know. Um, but it, I, you know, I, I'm expecting a lot from them. They're, they're too talented for it not to be. And it's, yeah, you know, he's the marketing guy. So and does the, there's does like the real work. There's like, a, I get to do this fun stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just go on podcast, Matt. That's all you got. Yeah. New idea every hour. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That's true. <laughs> Well, I know that uh, I speak for a whole lot of members of New Club, Mike, when I say thank you for uh, your care of such a cool place in a place that, um, you know, we circle it anytime we're coming up to Wisconsin, we, we circle it on our calendar and, and look at the map and see if it's, if it's able to squeeze in nine at Eagle Springs okay. and, and about 25% of those rounds, we end up going around again because we have so much fun. And, uh, and I know that that would never be possible if you hadn't, um, done what you did. So thank you. Well, thank you. Um, and, and I do, I did see a regular there, you know, a regular uh, uh, trail of your, your players come through. And a lot of times, and same thing with the Friday guys, it's how you guys carry your bag. I mean, I know what a, a player <laughs> carries his bag. I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, that's one of those, you know, it's like, uh, um, so yeah. So I think, thank you too. So that's, 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 that's been fun. And I'm going to go out and have a conversation with a little bit, you know? Yeah. And we'll, and we'll, you know, we'll give Matt a hard time too. We're not going to make it easy on him. It's not going to be the same thing. Uh, well, I'm, we're going to transition to you now, Matt. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. So Matt, you and Ann, your wife, you guys are now the operators of Eagle Springs. Just let, help me understand what a husband and wife talk about when they make the decision to operate a golf course. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a one, it wasn't one conversation. So um, <clears throat> there's been rumors of the place being uh, possibly for sale for a while. Um, I, I would like to think that Mike knows that ever since I stepped on the place, like, I've loved the course. I thought the whole place is just unique. It's like going back in time. Um, my wife's family, as as Mike mentioned, they've been integral in this place. We got we got engaged out here because I knew that it was so close to what the family legacy was. And then we had a rehearsal dinner out here. Blah 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 blah. Um, I'm looking at the at their cottage right now. So it was just it was just kind of ingrained. And um, Mike doesn't really talk all that much. He's just a nice guy that just doesn't talk all. That so probably two summers ago, um, my oldest daughter and I were out playing and he, he, uh, he stopped us and, and said that none of his kids really wanted it. So the blood transfer transfers the wrong word. That sounds like medical. <laughs> so the, the legacy via blood um, probably wasn't going to happen at this point in time. Um, and when your mom and papa think for so long, he'd like, he'd probably like to have a little bit more freedom in his life. So, um, he got back in his cart and took off and two minutes later I was sold. Um, but my wife wasn't too sold. It's golf. It's an industry, as you know, for 10 years prior to last year, wasn't really booming. Um, probably especially a place like this. So she, with her, knowledge and experience um, kind of came in last year and, and did some hiring, um, got involved with some of the processes. Um, she has an engineering background with an MBA. She worked for UPS as a high level um, corporate level employee for 10 years before she stopped when we had our third. Um, and she's legit. Like if, if this, if this thing continues to go, it's going to be because of her and her family to be quite honest with you. And because Mike, put us in a position to be successful. So she had to wait a little bit. And then probably last year, um, August ish, we kind of said, why not? Um, like there's a, there's a sense of 
uh, I don't know if obligation is the right word, but there's a sense of responsive, like when you're offered something like that, there's a sense of responsibility. Like it's more than just like, it's more than just that. So um, what has really helped to be quite honest is her, her uncle Howard has been the handyman for years and he kind of agreed to help out, um, which we'd be in trouble if he didn't. Her cousin Tommy has agreed to, he did the, he worked on the ground screw for five years and he was going through college. Um, now he's coming back to help out. Um, like without that, I think she would have been extremely hesitant with that. I think she we're still a little bit like anytime you do something like this, like you get nervous. Uh, but I think she probably bought in towards August and then it was, a, it was the, it was the trying to find out how to legally and accounting wise go through something that, that, that you don't really have all the deeds for from the last 128 <laughs> years. Uh, like the, who owns the road and all these frustrating things. Um, but yeah, I think, so the process wasn't a, a quick one. It was a longer one. Um, it was an honor to even have the process in the first place. Uh, the place has survived for so many years because the one generation was willing to like give it to the next generation in a way that they could be successful. Um, you could probably imagine what 130 acres of property would be. And, and I would like to think that he knows that we're going to do our darndest to keep it a golf course. Um, long, long decision and decision was finally made in August and then came to fruition in February. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, um, from talking to friends who have, have been involved in family businesses, you know, this is a 125 year family business, which is just remarkable to think about. Um, the statistics, you know, forget golf course yeah. operations for a second. The statistics around family businesses don't make it past the third, but now we're talking about a legacy of successfully doing six. What, what do you think makes it different about the, you know, the original Tui family and Anne's family, and now your married family about, about this, that makes it survive so well? Um, I actually, I'm trying to have a better answer now than last time. And I, I think I thought about it on the way in. So, uh, Five years ago, our, our, our major purchase was my wife wanted to buy a house. She loves mid-century modern houses. She found this one, she fell in love and we got it. And it's 90% original. Like we have a, uh, a motor with the turnstile for a blender built into the cabinets um, and it's still there. All original cabinets, all original. The kitchen's totally original. There's, there's woodwork. It's very, uh, it's very mid-century. So you can imagine in the 80s and 90s, somebody wanting to pull this thing out and, and kind of the, the Japanese wax paper kind of a thing is still all there. And it's like, it's legitimately 90% original. And um, it's taken care of, like, and she loved it and, and it kind of went. And, and nobody really wanted to, I think to Mike's point, like they didn't have the resources and nobody really wanted to change it. And he, believe me, he's had chances. Like there's been, so it got cut down. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it got cut down from 18 to nine. Um, we got a proposal for, to make it back to 18 again. Um, no. Uh, why, just, why no? Just from your perspective, why, why would you never first consider First of all, would be like the worst thing we could possibly <laughs> Yeah. Um, secondly, I think one of the, I had a, a friend out here the other day and um, you don't see other holes like you do. There's, there's four, five, six line up with each other. The rest of them, you're not really like, you don't see a house. <laughs> you don't see other holes. Like, like it really, uh, you really, when you, when you get up that hill, it's kind of like, you're just kind of going back in time and, and you're just like, and, and there's no way I'd want to financially, there's no way you'd recoup the, the money from it. Um, and the other thing is from a business perspective and looked last year, like Milwaukee County courses, their rounds went through the roof last year, like a lot of other places, but after two o'clock at almost all the County courses, um, 99% of the rounds were nine holes, whether we like it or not. And believe me, St. Andrews went from 22 to 18 at one point in time. I'm not saying we should all go to, to nine hole courses. Like we actually have 10 cause we have an alternate second hole, but um, I think nine is tolerable. Like, I think there's a, there's a niche for nine. Um, and golf magazine came out with the 
50 best nine holers in the world last year. And, and Sweetens Cove is kind of, uh, it's just enough. We don't have a full bar restaurant. If you have a full bar restaurant, you could probably do 18. Like it's, I don't like changes on a lot of stuff and I just don't think it's going to add. And I think it would take away more. Uh, you know, I don't know the, the data around it, but I will just say this. There's, it was never conscious that we decided that uh, nine hole courses would be a go-to for new club, but look at, look at our, what we've geared to. And this is all just listening to our members and where they, you know, would get most psyched about uh, having experience. We kick off the season at sp- uh, the spring meeting at Sweetens Cove nine holes, right? Uh, where's the back nine as, as everyone always asks them. And then uh, we finished the year at the Dunes Club, which is another nine hole. And then in between, we got something called the Western Open out at Downers Grove, which is the original Chicago golf, nine holes people love. Um, and we always stopped at Eagle Springs on our way up. So I, I, after our last chat, I thought to myself, I go, what is it about nine that is making people, you know, there's something there. I think so. And it's, it doesn't, um, listen, people don't go to country clubs and spend the entire day there. Um, the kids have an event in the afternoon or whatever it is. And I also think, well, A, I think our attention spans in our endless world are getting shorter. So 18 to nine is easier. But it's also, I would like this place to be, it's always been family friendly. I'd like it to be even more. Um, my kids can survive. Uh, my kids are nine, uh, five, and two. Um, the oldest can survive like three, four holes as they get a little older. Like they might, like even now they might go out and do nine if, if there's no waiting. Um, you're not going to all of a sudden wake up and have a kid be 16 years old and ready to play 18 holes. Um, like slowly working them into that I hope that that's how the game continues to go. And maybe there is something with it that we just kind of backdoored into, but I wouldn't, we don't have the resources. And even if I did, I don't think I would, I'm not planning on touching the course much at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For those listeners who haven't played Eagle Springs, what is it? How would you describe the course to them? Um, Quirky, funky, um, definitely old school with lots of undulations. Um, you don't really know what to expect. I, I just to, you've already kind of alluded to this and Mike did, but th- there's a blind, there's two tee boxes. If you do come here, play the bottom one first and you're not going to, it'll be a blind tee shot. I'm about to put rocks up on top of the hill, just like a 150, a, a 100, and a 200 yard rock. Just say, go if you want to hit it those distances, go over these rocks. Believe it or not, we had an ace on one last year. Nice. Um, <clears throat> which I can't tell if that's really bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> not or what. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's quirky and it hits you right away. You've got you've got one that's in the bowl and, and, and a tee shot. And then you go up and you have a view of the lake and then two is obviously the volcano hole. And you're like, what's going on? And um, the original tee for three is on the back end of two, um, which is a straight shot. It's like you're, so you're obviously elevated on the volcano hole and then you're going down by the marsh. Four is. I saw you guys chop down some trees there to make it a little shoot. I'm not advertising that because it slows up play. Oh, right, right. (laughs) uh, Actually we had, Ryan, one of your members came up and I had a conversation with him on the front side and on the back, I just told him to go off because he was like the only guy there that day. Um, four is my favorite. It's, it's, this is obviously a shorter place, but four is a legitimate, is a yeah. legitimate par four. It's up the hill. You hit it. If you hit it 310, 320, you have a wedge. And if, if the pins on the top level, good luck. Yeah. Um, good luck going for that pin. I mean, it, it's no left or dead. It's such a great green. It starts there. It's such a great green with so many awesome pins and movement to it. But then you work your way back. I mean, I've been fortunate to be in a, some newbie groups, myself included. And uh, my new line is it, pick your line and go right of it. Because yeah. if you go left, you're just dead. Yeah. Like it's a double. I, I am <laughs> right now. There's still uh, there's still some trees on the car path next to the car path that have leaves on them. And I was out there with a buddy of mine who came out for the first time. I'm just like, like hit the trees. Like it's going to bounce left and you'll be, you'll be fine. Um, you'll be in the bowl. The pin was on the top. I'm like, you'll be in the bowl. You'll, you'll two putt up the hill and you'll go to five. Um, and then five is, is straightforward. If you don't hit it far, you've got a little Creek to carry at the end. And, and for the people that don't hit it far, it's a really, really challenging hole. 
if you do hit it far, it's a great view. Like you got a view of the marsh and the lake from up there. Actually, Anne's had at least one family member get married on that too. Um, and then you bomb it down there and you got a wedge to a green that slopes a lot. And if you go over it, you're dead. Yeah. Six is a drivable par four with two bunkers in the front and a bunker on the back that when you flip it around, it looks like a smiley face. Um, seven's a blast. It's a great 14 club hole because it's got the huge bank on the back and I've hit putter and driver there. Um, eight's the par five that uh, you go up, you make a field goal through two trees, you go up, uh, you're in the fairway, you ring a bell when you hit your second shot so the people know behind you that they can, which I think is great. Um, and then the green just goes down and unless you hit like this unbelievable sky high wedge that stops and the pins in the front, like you still have very little chance at Eagle if it's in the front. Um, and then nine is, is if you could carry it 280 and don't go more than 320, you can cut the corner on a, on a dog leg to green. That's very similar to a Volkswagen bus. Yeah. Um, and I missed it short, right. And ended up in the parking lot the other day. <laughs> Uh, because it's such a huge undulation. I hope that was a good enough summary of all the holes and quick enough. That was pretty, that was pretty good. Yeah. The, um, you know, we, we talked a lot, uh, our last chat about, uh, two, you know, just what a showstopper. Um, but these other holes, as you were walking through it, what, what occurred to me was, you know, I think one sign of a really fun golf course is when not only are you paying attention to your ball and your shot, you're watching the people in your group. And then beyond that, you're, it's like must watch TV to watch the, the group behind you. So like two, everybody turns around and wants to see where people go. Uh, one, everyone does the same thing. Um, six, everybody you know, turns around and sees those shots. It's, it's fascinating. It's like, it's not just your experience out there. You're having fun watching other people play too. Yeah. And, and enjoy, like, just enjoy the place, not just the playing. Um, first, when I left, um, I work in baseball mostly. So I left middle of February, there's three feet of snow out here. Um, and then had to hurry home because those are your listeners in the Midwest. Like it thawed out pretty quickly. And, and even though we're on the marsh on three, I thought for sure it'd be so wet, we'd be in trouble. And Tommy went out there and he's like, it's dry. And I'm like, no, it's not. There's no chance that thing is dry. <laughs> went out there and it's dry. Um, and, and across the parking lot the first day is a guy with a Sweetens jacket on, probably my age. Daughter's like 10 or 11. She's coming. Dad's with him. Um, and it's, it's just the, it's that. Like, it's that piece that, um, not just the course, but the people coming for the first time and enjoying it. And, and I try to stop one person a day to keep my own positive mojo going. Ryan, the other day, was one of the members that helped me with that. In fact, that um, that group was there the first day. There's each week there'll be somebody that I run into. It's it's fun, like, and you don't really get bored of it. Yeah. Once you know where the misses are, like I could put I could put the pins in places to make it really hard. I could put the pins in places where you play the best nine holes of your life. Um. So yeah, it, it's it's the it's the place, but it's also like the enjoyment of the people coming here that that I think gets to what you're talking. Is there a, I forgot to ask Mike about this clubhouse, but you're probably yeah. well, well versed on all these stories. What's up with the clubhouse? Where does it come from? Um, it's a unique structure. Yeah. So I'll give you, can I give the clubhouse and my, my, my in-laws cottage as well? Oh, yeah. So the hotel um, got torn down. So this, I, if there's one person out of this entire process that I wish I could meet that I didn't meet as a second generation guy, cause that guy seems like a heck of a lot of fun and <laughs> really forward thinking and pushing the envelope. So he builds this hotel, has a blast um, getting to Mike's comments about Spalding. Like we can't prove any of that. That's family lore, but just working in baseball, the way I see it happening is Spalding came up with a bunch of buddies and at three in the morning, somebody, this guy probably pushed a napkin towards him and he's like design, Hey, redesign or design the first two. And he did. And then later when he had the resources, he actually did it. Um, who knows, but that's, that's how the lore goes. Um, so it's this structure that I'm in right now, which is the clubhouse. I'm in the clubhouse for people who don't know that says ESYA. So that's actually the Eagle Springs Yacht Association from the, there actually are pictures of boats in the little bay out there from the 
hotel. Um, there's our moose. <laughs> the moose has the Link Soul Goat Hill hat on. Nice. Um, you okay if I turn this around, even though it's not going to be? I promise not to show you, Allie. Allie's okay. ducking. There's a tree. Hey, Allie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome uh, to the bag drop. <laughs> yes, yes. The uh, the tree was gr- was actually growing through the clubhouse until they paved the parking lot. So what we're sitting in was the old washroom for the hotel and it slopes so that the water, when they were doing all the laundry goes out and it still slopes, probably not as much as it did before. Um, the bar is over there and it's actually the st- bar from the hotel still. The uh, tables, those round tables are still from the hotel. Um, I also can't, prove what i'm telling you right now but i will say what the legend is so these wicker chair these uh hickory chairs are from the old hotel and the rumor is that uh kohler and pete Dye came down and when they were when they were doing the chairs for the straights if you go up there they look very similar to those chairs interesting um so this is the washroom um it's quaint it's small it's actually bigger than the clubhouse at the goat which i was happy about <laughs> yeah um and then my my wife's family's cottage up the hill has concrete block this thick, and it was the ice house for the hotel. The ice house. Ah, okay. So there's pictures of horses out on the lake, cutting ice, and then taking it up there. And that place is really cool in the summertime. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even though there's no air conditioning, so that's that's kind of what we have here. And then um, nothing was going to pass code. <laughs> uh if there's major changes or a bank loan so uh (laughs) that's what i was gonna ask because i'm sure you know the charm that i was talking about is you truly can't fake old and you walk in you did you feel that you feel all that that, what you just mentioned but from your perspective now you're probably like man some of this shit's gonna break (laughs) yeah no and we already we already did i don't know if i told you this last time but the first so we're staying in the house that's on the parking lot which is where mike grew up and has been kind of vacant for a while and the furnace is like 37 years old. So legitimately the first night the furnace goes out and it was like 25 below. And we, we turned on, we turned on the, the, there's a, a wood burning stove downstairs. So I did that and I didn't do an updraft on it. So the wood burning stove is smoking out the downstairs. Um, we finally got the furnace going and then I had to pull the logs out of the wood burning cause it was smoked out the downstairs and threw them outside. Second night, it goes out again, and we couldn't get it restarted again. And, and so my family took off. I stayed there with with Tommy, and it was 44 degrees in the house the next morning. So we just kind of know, like, you just kind of know, like, stuff's going to break. Um, that's why her Uncle Howard is so is so valuable. So Anne is – you what, 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 how would you guys describe your, your roles here? Because you said Anne is kind of – What's that? Anne's the boss. Anne is the boss. Um, what – we talked a little bit about what you guys won't do. What is Anne and have in store? What, what do you guys, what can you share with us that you, you kind of have in yeah. store for the course? So we're, we want to update. Um, I mean, the, all the machinery is really close to going. Um, we just have taken the approach that we're going to spend the next five to 10, just deferred maintenance. Um, the one thing that, that Mike has always been great at is he maintained, like he says he wants the course to be better. I've had people out here the last two weeks that are saying the greens are running great. Um, and he's, he has maintained the course to a level at which, uh, it's been well worth the, the dollar figure, probably a really good deal for the people that have come out here and played it. Um, but that's come at the expense of the maintenance of some of the other things. And this place, man, the pictures that we're finding of this place, uh, there was somebody that did concrete work around the natural springs that was beautiful. Um, down, by the, down by the lake, it was just all oaks and, and willows with the underbrush pulled out. So that's, that's the kind of stuff, the, the lower dollar value stuff, um, the painting, the roofing, the get yourself a new mower, the, like that kind of stuff for the next five years, to be quite honest, is the, is the plan. Um, we may or may not have slight adjustments to like areas around green, but it would, 
it would be playability, but also like drainage, like, like just to make sure that the greens stay alive and the ones that are shaded, like it wouldn't be just, just for an architectural feature, kind of what he was saying before, like it would be with a purpose of, of, Hey, we know this, this gets spotty from time to time. So let's try to take it, take advantage of that. Yeah. So to be honest, the, the most people say it's a hidden gem. Um, and I'll be very blunt about this next one. Like, this is why I'm doing this. It's, we would like more people, especially people of the South to be aware of it. Um, to, to honor the people that have still been members, we still have 40 some members and four leagues that have kept the place rolling. Like we want to honor them, but then also market it to, um, to people that are coming to Wisconsin to play the bigger places where we can be the appetizer or the dessert, um, buy a hat, buy a shirt and, and get it to a place where it's nice and maintained. And then in 22 years, when it turns 150, I'm, Drink a bunch of Guinness and hand off the keys. And that is that the uh, the goal in your mind? Like, what's what's success for you guys in this? Success is is my girls um, during COVID came out here as much as my wife came out here when she was young. Yeah. Um, played in the water, spent time with their cousins. So, like, success on a personal level is that same environment that her family thinks is normal, but it's just not normal. <laughs> like, like, they, they, like that's not normal. So we're going to get that as much as we can. And my, and, and my kids are going to have that. I also, um, mom and we said this in the last conversation, mom and pops during COVID have gone away. And that's a problem to me, not just in golf, just across the board. Like, the corner store by us was the, uh, where we live now was the family owned forever. It was, you could pharmacy, send a fax, buy cigars, which I never totally understood with all those things. Um, and it was mom and pop run for forever. And the laundromat was mom and pop run for forever. And COVID has, has done lots of good, lots of bad, obviously terrible for health for people, but it's also had a lot of impact on the economy and how things go. And we need mom and pops. So we're going to mom and pop it. And my wife is a female engineer and I'm a male psychologist. So I don't know how different you could be. Um, so we're going to try to combine the skill sets and success is in the short term. Our kids grow up in a mom and pop value of a dollar, help us out. And long-term is when I, when I go on, like this goes to, the next and whether that's blood or back to blood, who knows? Um, but it goes, it goes to it, it's who's up next. That's, that's beautiful. And I, um, you know, sharing the sentiments on family, cause I can tell it's very important to you. Um, your, your own daughters, you know, enjoying the game and you, you even talked about your first experience playing with her out there. I, that spoke to me uh, because I'm in this transition as a golfer. Uh, where, you know, having my, my walking bag with nowhere else to be and go exploring golf courses was all I, I wanted to do for the last five years. And I became a dad in, in the pandemic. And uh, now I'm, I'm starting to look at uh, courses a little differently and, and the experience a little differently and wanting um, eventually, you know, my, my wife and my daughter to be able to join me out there. And so it's, it's cool to hear you, you as the operator now of a place like that. It's, I guess it's, it's kind of like achieving, how do you, how do you make those customer demographics happy? And I think you guys have a unique position to do that. Yeah, I hope so. It's going to be hard. Um, and, and we might be catching the world at a good point. Like one of our biggest conversations right now is do we do dynamic pricing? I don't know. Um, how do you honor the past legacy members, but then get the new, new members to a level that is probably market appropriate? Um, how do you honor the community out here that's pretty rural, but also know that if I'm living in Chicago and I'm coming up and playing this place, like that group in the parking lot, he, he, he's, he said, I can't play a public course for less than a hundred bucks in Chicago, but I can bring I can drive 40 minutes and bring my daughter and my dad play 18 and pay less than a hundred bucks. 
might be close to a hundred bucks. Um, so that is going to be hard. Um, we'll figure it out. Uh, and the model for that, uh, people in golf have been really nice to me. And I don't know if it's because golf hit a huge boom last year or just because they're nice people, but Sweden's Cove has figured it out. Um, and Mr. Collins has been, if I text or call, he'll pick up the phone and I'll have a chance to finally get to his place in May. Um, they seem to have figured out like the pricing of here's the hundred dollar a day for the members and the people that are coming in and, and I'll continue to bend his ear on that one. Um, the other person that's been really good to me is Ashworth at the goat. Their community is legit. You show up in the morning and the fire is still burning at the pit from the night before. And, um, they have their Friday, like they do all that kind of stuff, but then they still have the people coming in from them outside. And I think that's, that's the way to do it. There's some sauce in there that makes it work that hopefully we're going to figure out. Yeah. There is that sense of community amongst these places that have become uh, representative of the community. And uh, that's really cool to hear that you're in touch with those guys. Cause what they've built, you know, you just named two of them. Those are, those are sweet. <laughs> you walk into you walk into the goat for anybody that hasn't been there or those who have. And I always had this idea cause I was going through all of our old, old golf clubs. He's got the bag with the old persimmon drivers and he reshafts them and puts a different grip in them. And, and it's the, it's the golf purists that want to hit that thing and see if they could still hit it. And we'll have something similar. I've been collecting them and we'll reshaft them and lay them off the front. And if you want to drop your, we'll, we might have some sort of program where you drop them in the, drop them there and see if you go out and actually have a round of golf and keep your ball the whole time or something like that. But it's, it's, there's something to that, that, that group, until I went out to the goat, I didn't really get that, that those purists, like they're out there. You, you know, what's a, a really interesting distinction about uh, the goat and that they achieve that and like persimmon clubs and, you know, these tie-ins to history of golf and, and the purists is that in the, in the past, at least my childhood growing up, I, I experienced a little bit of that, but it was at an exclusionary type of place, right? Or, or no, not everyone's going to understand this. It's really just the country club crowd and those are the, but what I think uh, Goat has done and, and Sweetens and all these other places is, being, is saying, no, this stuff has, you know, made it the, the, the test of time and appealed to purists. But, you know, even if you're, a bit novel to the game, even if you're, you can still, you're, you're going to enjoy this stuff, you know, and they get people to come in. And I, I think that's been a huge shift in, in this whole landscape. Yeah. Um, very much so. I, it, it's uh, when Tiger talked about how he uses, he, he makes Charlie hit those. Um, ball, ball striking is making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it's not making a comeback on tour and the fact that those guys are always winning, but, but the feeling like that feeling, um, when you don't have the feel of a mishit, it's hard to enjoy the feeling of getting it on the face. And those clubs, I'm old enough that, that like, you knew what you knew when you mishit something. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be for a select group of people, obviously. Um, the goat has hit it. If some people want to come up here and do the same thing, more power to them. But if, if you're going to do it, I mean, let's be honest. If you if you think you're a better ball striker than your buddies and you ever want to do something like that, like here's the place. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up on Eagle Springs, I asked you this question last time. I, th I think I'd like to hear it again is, um, you know, Mike talked a little bit about his wish for, for you and, like, like you said, he's a man of few words, but I, I like what he does say. Um, but what's your take on um, Mike's, Mike's wish for you and, and you, you and Ann and, and this operation? Um, I think he just wants us to, to keep it, A, keep it going. Like, I think this was his best option that he felt the most confidence that it was going to continue to stay at home. Um, I, I really think it, it kind of comes down, like it, it comes down to that. Um, if you've, if you've given up stuff to keep this thing going, you want to see people that are willing to kind of do the same thing. Um, and that's our, unless something drastic happens, um, 
that's our intent. And I think he, I think he, he knows that he lives, he still lives right off of nine. So, and his wife still walks the dogs and they still snowshoe all summer. And I think just the value of him knowing that the, the ground he's snowshoeing under is still a golf course. Um, I think that's it. I hope that's it. Um, and then also he can come down and have a cup of wine whenever he wants. <laughs> just cruise on down and those, those, uh, yeah, just sit, sit in the clubhouse and have a cup of wine and do all the stuff he used to do. Uh, he'll be a legend. He's a legend already, but he'll be a legend in that regard as well. So this is going to be a teaser for a next conversation I want to have with you yep. um, around psychology. Sports psychology is your business is what you've done. Um, yep. Just give it, give our listeners a little taste of, of why, why you got into it. And, and then uh, as a follow-up, I'm going to schedule time with you to kind of do a deep dive on golf because we got a lot of mental midgets in our membership and listening uh, audience and okay. <laughs> myself included. So, um, what, what, what pulled you into sports psychology? So junior of, of college, the only classes I liked were my psych classes and I was an athlete, um, just decided to major in it. It didn't really exist at the time as a field. It, it did. So I hesitate to say that, but it didn't exist as like people had full-time jobs. Um, at least outside of academia. So uh, when I got a master's in, in sports psych from San Diego State, San Diego is my hometown. Worked at IMG Academies in Florida when Ledbetter Academy was in its infancy and they just had started a baseball academy, so it was a good fit for me. Um, that experience wanted me to get more knowledge and assessment and also a license to actually be north of people's necks and be qualified to do that. <laughs> so... Uh, Got a PhD in 05, got approached by a baseball team, um, did independent work for four years, and then for the last 11 years have directed the entire psych from uh, evaluation of potential players, players working through the system, and then working with players at the, at the highest level. So that's, that's how I got into it, and I love it. I didn't really – probably if you would have – talk to the 22 year old version of me, they would never have said that you could make a full-time job of this. I'd go into coaching or something else, but it worked. And then it also bleeds into this. So this is going to end up being my office. Um, even before the purchase, I'd bring some of my clients out here, golfers and baseball players, and we just reserve a couple of tea times and go out. Um, so this is going to end up being the office and, uh, couple college teams high level college teams will be coming through in the in the fall believe it or not i'm going to convince them to stay up here and do some work uh and that's how i got into it and that's kind of where we're at and that's how it melds with this place i i got a uh our crack research team pulled some some things and i got a quote from the usa today uh, from you that i really i really enjoyed uh, the more downtime you have in, in your sport, the more quote unquote mental it is. There's a lot of downtime in baseball, which allows your thoughts to wander. I think there are some sport specific skills like bringing the focus back, which is maybe a little more important in those sports. Um, so baseball, there's downtime. There ain't no more downtime than golf, right? Yeah, it's, it's well, depending on what you're doing, if you're playing nine or 18, whatever, at a minimum, it's probably two hours and a max it's five and a half and you're probably only actually golfing for 15 minutes and and what i love and we could do a deeper dive next time but brains are like golf swings everybody's a little bit different to kind of get to a certain couple of variables that matter the most and um some brains like to be locked in the entire time and some brains there's no chance they can be locked in the entire time and it runs on electricity and it runs on energy and you have to figure out like how you regulate it the best. And, and the downtime is sometimes almost as important as the execution time. And I like, if there's one part of the, the field that I love, I love assessing the brain. Okay. And then you've got this brain, like this is what you were born with. This is what you were blessed with. It's just like the golf swing. Like you're not going to try to totally revamp somebody's golf swing into Matt Wolf's golf swing when they're 20 years old. Like that ain't, it's not going to be a smart exercise for you. It's best to use what you have in your authentic brain and then just find ways that it, it works. And that's what I love. I love assessing the brains 
using the data to develop programs um, to help them find the skill that will help them the most. And it's frustrating, um, but it's really fun. I, I, uh, it's one of our core values is, is the mindfulness. Cause we found that, you know, as a golf society, what is it that keeps people coming back to the game? Yeah. And, and it's that balance that people find in the game. So it's, it's why sports psychology has come up so often on this podcast. Um, and it's why I'm so interested for our next chat yeah. is to, yeah. if you're cool with it, man, I would like to do a deep dive with you for yeah. you know yeah. an hour or so. Yeah. Um, and by the way, it'll help out this place. Cause that's one of the ways we're going to make this place work. I, a little uh like retreats maybe maybe something like uh no more of like <laughs> uh, uh my outside work will be a little bit of a revenue stream <laughs> yeah gotcha gotcha and yeah. it, it does it um allow you as a as a psychologist to you said you bring out players and and you know are the baseball guys coming and playing and is that a, is that a good place to to practice some of the things that you do or is it just a good place to assess some of the things that you do what, what is it about golf that helps both starting pitchers and golfers are very similar. They control the environment. They, they control the cadence of what's going on. So um, a lot of my work in baseball has been on the golf course. As I get older, it's tougher because I don't hit as far as they do anymore. I did when I started and now it's getting worse. Um, but it, it, it's just a natural blend. And the other thing is psych has become more um, accepted, but even in my executive work, nobody really wants to go into an office with a fake plant and have you sit behind a desk. Um, do you want to take a 30 minute drive and then hang out at the beach and, and have a cup of coffee and talk? Yeah, I'll do that. So it's a, it's a different, like it fits me more with my vibe. I can't sit in an office. Um, and I think it fits the clients, whether it be golf, baseball, business, it just makes it more, it kind of makes it more natural. So it's, it's a little bit of assessments, a little bit of interventions, a little bit of both. Um, and I don't always know it's kind of free flowing. I always know at, at one point, if you're doing one thing and at one point you're doing another. We'll uh, get this on the, the calendar. Cause I, I really yeah. am going to be psyched to, to ask you some deeper dive questions. I got all kinds of uh, thoughts rattling around that you, you, you would and maybe maybe that assessment part too it's because you, you draw the comparison last chat to uh, a club fitting in a way right you're not gonna go to a club fitting and get fit for somebody else's swing just like you shouldn't get fit for someone else's brain and i don't understand why um psych hasn't grown more in that area data has driven every other thing that we've done for the golf game i don't well actually i think i do because you have to be licensed and qualified to assess somebody's brain um and I don't think the people in my area have done a good enough job telling people how important that is and having a data set that they can compare themselves to. So we'll, I look forward to that deep dive. That'll be fun. Um, well, Matt Krug, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for being an ambassador of the Golf Society. Thanks for everything you're doing at Eagle Springs. Uh, any, any parting words with our, our crew? Yes, I forgot to do this. So um, let me know if anybody's coming up. I'm here half the time. My wife's here most of the time. When you drive in the parking lot, look out for little girls running across the parking lot and not obeying rules. Um, <laughs> but if you do come up, uh, hit me up. So it's Matt, M-A-T-T dot Krug, K-R-U-G at EagleSpringsGolfResort.com. So just let me know you're coming up. And if I, uh, if I know you're coming and I can at least stop by and say hello, I'd love to do so. Matt.Krug at EagleSpringsGolfResort.com. Thanks, man. I'm sure you're going to get some notes from, from our folks, and, uh, and you'll be seeing us real soon. We'll be stopping by the, the morning of our summer medal kickoff yep. at, at uh, Sand Valley. We'll be stopping by and being with you guys. Awesome. You tell me if you want the pins easy or hard. Ooh, ooh. I've never seen the, the – maybe the uh, – We'll take it easy on them. It's our first round. Maybe yeah, easy. Believe it or not, there is a Mike does have a pin on the top shelf of one, not just like the shelf, but the top. There's a spot up there that he actually places a pin, which I think is somewhat satanic. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you can tell me a couple days before what you're looking for. All right. Well, well, we will give the give the crew a surprise. Well, Matt, thanks, man. Uh, en enjoyed it. We'll talk to you real soon. 
appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at New Club Golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The backdrop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners. The Evan Scholars Invitational is our official partner of this year's Hangout at Canal Shores. The future stars of the PGA Tour return to the Glen Club on May 27th through 30th for the Corn Ferry Tour's Evan Scholars Invitational. General admission to this event is complimentary this year, courtesy ServPro of Glenview. Fans looking for an upgraded experience can purchase tickets to The Hangar, a premium spectator venue with food and drink included. For more information and to secure your tickets, visit esinvitational.com, and I will see you at the Evan Scholars Invitational.